Speaking, of course, James Myrtle from The Athletic, the headband there, will plug us into the Leaf story. James, how are you today? I'm good, Teddy. How's it going? Uh, let me check. Everything's okay. Everything. Yeah, just uh, just updating. Everything is now okay. <laughs> uh, you, you just did recently the, the Maple Leaf uh, fan survey. Uh, tell us, uh, just give us sort of an overview of that. We'll just sort of pick through various categories. What was your impression from the results? Uh, yeah, so we, we take 30 questions. We ask our readers, and uh, we got more than 5,000 responses, and uh, people just answer various questions in terms of, their confidence in GM Kyle Dubas, the head coach, Brendan Shanahan, uh, which of the off-season additions they like the best or like the least, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it's it's a fun thing we do every year, and the results can tend to be pretty interesting. And, you know, what actually surprised me the most, Jim, is that there was, there was more optimism and I think more positivity than I was expecting. The numbers were down from previous years when we've done these surveys, but uh, the Leafs fans, at least, you know, on our side, were saying that, you know, they still have a level of confidence in Kyle Dubas. They still have a level of confidence in Sheldon Keefe, and they still think that this is a pretty good team. And the probably the funniest answer that we got was we asked, you know, what's what's the biggest thing standing between the Leafs and the Stanley Cup? And 54% of Leafs fans said, because they're the Leafs. And that, that was the answer, as opposed <laughs> to anything wrong with the roster or management or anything. It was just because, you know, there's this curse or something over them. So... That was probably the uh, the most hilarious response that we got. Well, it, it is hilarious, but there, I mean, there is some truth to it. I mean, because a lot of the analysis, not from from you or I, but but from the fan base, is based on depending on the age group. But a lot of it goes back to you know the history lesson of 1967, and you know just plug in your your own generation, you know, and and you sort of pick it up from there. But some go back to 1967, some jump in in the 70s, some the 80s, some the early 90s. But there is some truth to it, isn't there? You know, Jim, I've covered the team. I'm, I'm from BC originally. Uh, I moved to Toronto 20 years ago, so I wasn't really, you know, I, I didn't know the full history and all that. And I started covering the team 14 years ago, and I never really bought into the idea of the curse or anything like that. But watching the playoffs this year, they come in as the top-ranked team. They're heavily favored over Montreal. John Tavares goes down in, like, his second shift of the series. Jake Muzzin gets hurt in Game 6. Everything kind of unravels for them. And it's like you watch it again, happen again and again and again. And it's like <laughs> part of me was thinking, like, maybe there is something in, in the water or something going on, because to, just to have watched it for 14 years now up close, um, it's, it's really strange how the same kind of things keep happening to the team over and over and over again. Yeah, sure. Uh, certainly. I mean, certainly uh, the, the recent memory would tell you that somebody finds the off switch and when it's hit, there's just no coming back from that, is there? It's just like I remember writing about the Leafs collapsing all the time back in like the Brian Burke era. Like, Remember he was talking about the 18 wheeler going off the cliff yeah. and all that. I mean, that's that's 12, 13 years ago. It's ancient history. And then to still be talking about the team collapsing now. There's nobody that's the same on the roster. You know, know. it's completely different players, a completely different coach, completely different. No, there's nothing that's the same from back then. The only thing that's the same is like this narrative about about the team coming up short in in big moments. And you know, it it, it feels like there's even more of a burden on on the franchise, on the players that are here now, even though they don't have anything to do with that history, just because of of what went on before they got here. 
Yeah, well, in, in, in that respect, I mean, people like Matthews and Marner, who have individual achievement, can understand that, that, you know, that while the individual achievement is applauded, the, the team effort, or, or not effort, but the, the team result is, is certainly lacking. And I think they're, they're getting a crash course in that, aren't they? Yeah, and you know, Matthews and Marner met with the media, including uh, some of our staff yesterday. And you know, a lot of the questions they got were about that. And you know, Matthew said, you know, I'm, I'm 23 years old. Like, you know, this, this isn't like the last chance for me here. This isn't like, but just the the way that the market talks sometimes is just like that. The, the desperation level, I think, is is higher. And when you come into a market like this from like, let's say Austin Matthews is from Arizona, you know, it's, it's new to him. You know, he's learning about kind of that history. Whereas, you know, Mitch Marner said, you know, I followed this team my whole life. I knew what I was getting myself into when I was drafted here and and I'm ready for it. But um, I I think that there, there is that weight of expectations. And I mean, there should be, I mean, they're, they're a good team. They should perform. They should, they should win a playoff round. And uh, that's going to be the narrative all year though, is, Going into that first round of the playoffs, do they get it done or not? Uh, take us. Let's go back to the the fan uh, survey. Take us back to some of the the hot button uh, topics. Like one of them would be the, the the most popular leaf. And as you go down that depth chart, it's kind of intriguing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean Austin Matthews ran away with the most popular current leaf. I, I don't I don't have the results right in front of me, Jim. You're putting me on the spot here a little bit, but <laughs> sorry, guy. You know, we, we we asked. Um, we also asked who people's uh, favorite leaf is of all time, and I was really surprised that we've done this in the past, and it's been the same answer. Matt Sundin finished way ahead of everybody else, and you know I think that part of that I think is that our audience is maybe a little bit younger, but um, you know you think of the most popular leafs of all time, you think people would talk about I don't know maybe there'd be a Sittler or a Keon or um, Gilmore or Wendell Clark, but it was Matt for our audience anyway. It was Matt Sundin with a, a huge percentage of the vote, and and Austin Matthews is coming on strong there too. So, you know, it'll be interesting that as we continue to do this, provided Austin Matthews you know stays with the Leafs for a long period of time. I think that for a lot of people, he's going to end up taking over that top spot in in due time. Yeah, I, I don't want to be accused of leading the witness, but in your your current popular leaves, I, I saw that Nylander uh, jumped up, and and that sort of tells me that um, while there's concern about individual achievement, that that once the uh, the, the 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 player plays the way he's uh, supposed to, or or what the fan base feels, the fan base is very forgiving. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. You know, Nylander has gone from being kind of the whipping boy. You know, one of the questions we asked that some fans didn't like was, who's your least favorite Leaf? And there were not very many people picked Nylander, whereas I think you go back two years ago that that that, that answer was a lot different. So Nylander ended up finishing third in who's your favorite member of the team. Second was uh, Spezza behind Austin Matthews. Um, and then, you know, there were some votes for John Tavares, Jack Campbell, uh, Morgan Riley. Yeah, but... Um, you know, it's, I think that maybe some of the the heat on William Nylander changed. He had a he had a good season. He had a pretty good postseason, and uh, the narrative around him's changed a little bit. And a lot of the a lot of the negativity now seems to be focused on Mitch Warner. Uh, let's talk about uh, the uh, the off season additions. And you know, as I do that, I think we both agree that it's still on the Fab Four up front and the core players to get this done. Uh, having said that, maybe bringing in some new blood and and sort of the uh, the evolution that that should take place or could take place on certainly on the left side might be sort of inspirational to the rest of the roster or, or not. What's your read on what they've done? 
it's been interesting. I mean, they need to hit on some of these these additions, like you know, like Nick Ritchie, Michael Bunting, Andre Kasha. You know, if if they all kind of max out their potential and and are healthy, and in the, in the case of Kasha, um, I th- there's a chance that the, this forward group could be better than last season. I mean, the the big loss is going to be Zach Hyman, but can they replace him by bringing in three or four players that, that make their third and their fourth lines better? And is that going to add up to the team overall being the same or better than it was last year up front? It's possible, but you know, I don't know what someone like, let's say Michael Bunting, I don't know what he's going to be. He's played like 25 NHL games. You know, there there's evidence to suggest that he might be really effective. He's been skating with John Tavares down at some of the informal skates um, that the Leafs players have been having at the practice facility. Um, Andre Kasha, I mean, he's had so many concussions. He's missed so many games the last couple of years, but he's a really, really good player. When he played in Anaheim, I mean, he was a first or a second line winger. And if he can get healthy, and, you know, I, I, I've, I've been told that, that he has been healthy, he has been skating for the last couple of months, um, that could be a big addition for them. But then Nick Ritchie, too, I mean, he's been a little bit of an, an enigmatic player, uh, bounced around a little bit, but a guy who was a high draft pick who brings some physicality. And who it sounds like they might end up trying with playing with Matthews and Marner and bring a little bit of a different element than Zach Hyman did. And, you know, there's there's certainly some intrigue here in this forward group. That's where there's the most change on the roster. And whether or not they hit on those free agent signings or not is going to be a big part of, of this team taking a, a step back or a step forward this year. Uh, one more thought before we let you go. I mean, clearly when we're talking about um, those those players that you just mentioned, they're asked to do specific things. Um, that's not for everybody. Uh, and maybe it's not for Mikheyev, who, you know, he has a specific role in this team, but but he seems to want to have a bigger role in, in more ice time, and uh, I don't see that happening, and has and requested a trade. What do you make of that? I The way I read that is, you know, Mikheyev, I think felt like the last contract he took for two years was a bit, a little bit low. And, you know, he was really hoping that by the time he was going to hit free agency. So after this coming season, he was going to have some numbers behind him and he was going to be able to, to score big and unrestricted free agency. And, you know, if he doesn't produce more than he did last year, that's just not going to happen for him. You know, and you know, he's been building up to this potential payday and that that's where that comes from. And, you know, maybe on a lesser team, he would play a lot more. But, you know, I think he, you know, he did get some opportunity with John Tavares last year. He did get some opportunity in the top six. It sounds like the Leafs are going to accommodate him and give him a little bit more opportunity there. But at some point, you know, the results speak for themselves. And he hasn't been able to recapture the, the form that he had in that first half of his first season where it really did look like he was a top six winger and he really did look like he could produce some offense. We just haven't seen that in so long. And he's going to need to do that or... You know, maybe at some point he is going to be an odd man out for this team. James, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, Jim. That's James.